tonight we are together as friends and family, either in a church building or at home, all to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the birth of our Savior. I want to ask you to just let the Holy Spirit anoint your imagination as we read scripture tonight and discuss what it must have been like to be there. I thought it'd be fun to use the lyrics of O Holy Night to kind of uh, create the story and separate the sections of the evening. O Holy Night, the stars were brightly shining. Can you imagine being a shepherd and seeing the sky that night? Can you imagine the feeling in the air when dusk settled in and a cool fog hovered over your sheep? Scholars say it got incredibly cold at night, often in the 30s in Galilee. Imagine warming yourself by a fire and suddenly a bright light blinds you and the thunderous sound of angels are singing. Imagine that. The fact that the shepherds got this news directly from heaven is yet another sign that this good news is not just for the elite, it's not just for the financially strong or the politically strong, it's for everyone. The shepherds were considered the lowest of the low in that society. Their privileges were limited, but in this moment they received the greatest privilege of all, a direct message from heaven about heaven's son, Jesus, born to us. Can you imagine being Mary, a young teenage girl, suddenly visited by an angel blinded by that light and given this incredible message? It's funny that we sing Mary Did You Know because she's literally the only one who knew. The angel told her that she was going to carry the Son of God, that God, the Messiah, was going to be born to her. What's amazing about this is she was not a YouTube star, a social media influencer. She was not a Guinness World Record holder or a, a nationally known scientist. She was just a teenage daughter engaged to a carpenter. Let's read about it in Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this would be. But the angel told her, Mary, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be called Great and Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled in me. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped within her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she shouted, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then returned to Nazareth. These humble beginnings tell us so much about God and so much about you and me. He comes to us no matter who we are. He wants to be our King and our Lord. Jesus later in life when he began his ministry gave the Sermon on the Mount where he so clearly expressed that the good news of the kingdom is not just for the rich or for the poor, it's the poor in spirit, whether you have money or not. The good news of God's kingdom is not for the know-it-alls, it's the ones who know they don't know it all and need a God who does. The good news of God's kingdom, the message the angel was giving Mary that day was that God would save his people from their sins, a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Picture this, you're Joseph. Your fiance first tells you she's pregnant, but God is the baby's father. You wanna just go your separate ways and start fresh, but an angel shows up in the middle of the night and gives you the same good news, the crazy news that your fiance heard. This baby in her womb is Jesus, the son of God. Imagine looking her in the eyes and committing to take care of her and to take care of this miracle child within her womb. Imagine knowing that your fiance is trying her best to hide her growing belly in the marketplace around relatives and friends. Let's pick up scripture again and read from Luke 2 what happened next. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Imagine getting the news that you have to travel 90 miles from Nazareth to your hometown for the census, when your soon-to-be bride is nine months pregnant. And this is no easy journey. We honestly can't imagine how difficult it was. 
Scholars say that Joseph and Mary's hardship would have been more than a week long before the birth of their son when the couple had to leave their home in Nazareth in the northern highlands of Galilee to register for a Roman census. Imagine that trek. To protect themselves from cold, inclement weather, Mary and Joseph would have likely worn heavy coats constructed to shed rain and snow. Under their cloaks, the ancient residents wore long robes belted at the waist. Tube-like socks and closed the shoes protect their feet. The unpaved hilly trails and harsh weather were not the only hazards Joseph and Mary would have faced on their 90-mile journey. One of the most terrifying dangers in, the, in ancient Palestine was the heavily forested valley along the Jordan River. Lions and wild animals lived in the woods and travelers had to fend off wild boars. Archaeologists have unearthed documents warning travelers of the forest dangers, the bandits, the pirates of the desert, and robbers. There were also common hazards along the major trade routes, like the one Joseph and Mary would have traveled. Mary and Joseph had to bring their own provisions and wineskins they carried water. They carried a lot of bread, likely. Breakfast would have been dried bread. Lunch would have been oil with bread and herbs with oil. Bread in the evening. The hardships did not end when Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem. Under normal circumstances, the pair would have expected to stay with relatives or family. However, an overcrowded Bethlehem forced Joseph and Mary to seek refuge in a primitive inn, which all scholars believe was a cave, likely having a donkey and some sheep.
the world in sin and error. Until this point, the people of Israel had so often rejected the messengers of God. God would send them a messenger, a prophet, or would raise up someone among them to call them to repentance, to call them to God, and sometimes they would return to Him, and often they would actually deepen their rebellion, pushing them further and further apart from God. Every prophet, though, in some way, shape, or form, would speak to the idea of Jesus when God himself would come onto the scene. I love how Jeremiah said it. He said, I will write my law upon their hearts. I love what Isaiah said about Joseph in the line of David. Isaiah 11, 1 reads, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is King David's father, the lineage of Joseph and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. For he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. You see, we were lost in our ways, lost without righteousness, lost without truth or hope, till he appeared and our soul felt his worth. Like that prophecy says, Jesus brought equity to the poor and meek. He struck the earth with the rod of his mouth. If you remember, there was a power and authority that we read about in his words. His words either drew you to him or repelled you. If you were humble and looking for a savior, you found one. If you were claiming to be your own savior and no need of God, then Jesus' claims infuriated you. For many had even caused them to consider killing him. Even Simeon prophesied that this child will determine the rise and fall of many. Why? Because when Jesus begins his ministry, he starts making the startling claim to be God. He even tells everyone that God is his father. And Luke and Matthew, the disciples, back up 14 generations to David and another 14 generations to Abraham. But in the Gospel of John, we find something beautiful. He backs all the way up to creation. Creation itself, when the universe was formed, the galaxies and the stars and the moon that lit the night and the sun that lights the day. Jesus created the earth in which we live 
all at the sound of his voice. John 1, 14 through 18 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has now made him known. Wow, can you think about that? At the foundation of the world, there was Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, given for you and I. Ephesians 1, 4 says it like this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he chose us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. In him we have attained this inheritance. What is this inheritance? The inheritance is to be a brother or a sister of Jesus, a child of God. And that concept, fullness of time, was also mentioned in Galatians, that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. In other words, there was no accident. So Jesus comes, why? Because he loves you. He loves you that much. He wants to be Emmanuel, God with us.
thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. We too now can rejoice, for we were tired and weary without peace until Jesus came. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices singing, O night divine. What an incredible night that was. It's a night that literally divided time in two. There was time until Jesus came and time after Jesus' birth. You also can have your life divided into two segments. Life before Jesus and life after accepting Jesus as Lord. The center point of that moment is faith. It's turning to Jesus. Ephesians 1, 25 and 26 says, But now faith has come and we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Do you have this thrill of hope yet? Are you rejoicing with the rest of the world about Jesus' birth? Millions around the world have put their faith in Jesus and received the gift of his son. Have you? You see, his law is love and his gospel is peace. So let's pick up on our story again. Mary and Joseph make the 90-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Luke 2 says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, 2020 has been a year that can be hardly described as peaceful. So what is it that can break through the noise, break through the news, and the worry about the future? It's coming to the manger and worshiping Jesus with all who are faithful. It's fixing your attention on Jesus and removing your focus from all that's wrong with the world. If anything, this year should cause you to look upon Jesus with greater intent. The darker the world gets, the brighter the light of Jesus. All who find faith in him come faithful to worship him.
shall cease. Galatians 4, 3-7 says, When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, than an heir through God. The fullness of time. What a phrase. It indicates that the arrival of Jesus was no accident. It was ordained since creation itself. Since the first bird took its first flight, since the first tree brought forth fruit, since the moment when oceans split and dry ground appeared, all of that was orchestrated by God, and this moment in history in the timeline of mankind, this holy night was ordained and orchestrated by God. Like the crescendo of a symphony. Like that moment when the composer has constructed all the instruments to play at their loudest point in perfect harmony and unison. When the string players bend their bow. When the drummer makes that cymbal swell. That crescendo moment. It's like that moment when Jesus came that night.
The king is born, the king is born. Hallelujah, Christ the Lord. The king is born, the king is born. our newborn king, the only king, the one true king, 
the King of kings and Lord of lords. He stands high and lifted up above every other name, above every other principality, above all rulers and all kingdoms. There is no one beside him. There is no one above him. Truly, let us praise his holy name, Christ the Lord. We know from Jesus' very first sermon, his very first words spoken not as a carpenter, but as the Messiah, just moments after enduring 40 grueling days of temptation in the desert. He no doubt was physically tired, experiencing extreme mental fatigue. He knew who he was and why he came. He had just heard his father shout between the clouds, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. He knew his identity as a son. A son had been given. He entered the synagogue to assert who he was as king, as Lord of all, as the fulfillment of all prophecy. Listen to this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the favor of the Lord. So I want to tell you, if you are oppressed by sin, if you have an addiction that you can't find your way out of, Jesus is here to break that chain. And sadly, there's many Christians today who don't realize why he came. People who attend church but point fingers all week long. Christians who want the anointing but not the poor. They want the Lord's favor but not the oppressed. They don't want to be around the addict but the orphan or the one in need. I want to tell you, you can't have the anointing without the poor. You can't have freedom without the captive. Jesus knew why he came. We need reminded tonight why he came. The anointing was for the poor in spirit, the literal poor, that God would show his love and compassion to all people at all times, not just to you, but through you. Jesus knew why he came. He just declared it that day in the synagogue. It was to bring good news to you and to me. And if we are poor in spirit and we realize our need for him, our realize our need for him to save us, it truly does set us free. Chains shall he break, chains of sin, chains of addiction, chains of racism, chains of pride, chains of cynicism, chains of fear, fear about our future, fear about provision. Every one of those chains Jesus breaks as the newborn king. So fall on your knees and hear the angels singing. See
I love that next line of that song. His power and glory evermore proclaim. You see, the Bible says that the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus. You and I are given a chance to experience the glory of God, the goodness of God, if we'll just repent and come to Him like a child. You see, there's a beautiful mystery in Jesus coming as a child. He came as a child to teach us to come to Him like a child. Jesus even said, for those who want to enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a child. You have to humble yourself and admit you do not have it all together. So I want to invite you to that today, to admit your need for, for God. You see, God's word says he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to save us from our sins because we all needed saved. He taught us that only the humble, only the childlike will receive him as Lord and enter his kingdom. Have you accepted the free gift of Jesus Christ? Have you believed? A son is given. John 3 says, The Father did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So maybe this Christmas you realize that a Son has been given. But my question is, have you received the Father's gift? If not, I want to give you a chance to do that today. And it doesn't matter if you're 10 years old or 80 years old. You and I need Jesus. You and I need this gift for us to be forgiven, for us to finally experience peace and all that God has for us, for us to enter eternity in the place where Jesus has already prepared a place for us. So I want to give you this chance right now to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're sitting at home right now, or maybe you're with us in the sanctuary, and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you know the story Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you haven't been to church in 10, 20 years. It doesn't change the fact that God's love for you remains the same. His story of redemption remains for you. The good news that came to the shepherds that night is good news for you. It doesn't matter where you stand on the economic, the social scale. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you surrender your heart to Jesus. Would you truly make him king tonight? Would you let him rule and reign and be Lord of all? If you will, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to give this prayer to God. And maybe you prayed this as a child and maybe you wandered from a long time for many years away. But if right now God is speaking to your heart and you know you need to get your heart right with Jesus. Now is an opportunity. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I receive you as God and I receive your Son as my Lord, my Savior. Thank you for sending the Son to save me. God, I admit my need for you. When I live life on my own, I mess things up. But God, I needed saving and I needed truth. I needed 
grace. Because without you, God, I'm lost. I don't know the truth. I make up my own truth and it just gets me in more trouble. Lord, I need you to forgive me of my sin. I put my attention and my focus now on following you, Jesus. Make me born again. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Father, would you become my father? And Jesus, would you become my brother? Make me part of that inheritance, part of God's family. I choose to follow you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you know God's doing something in your heart, would you reach out to us and let us know? You can email us right from our website, rockofgrace.org, and we would love to follow up with you so we can get you plugged into a life group and into discipleship. We're just so excited to be a part of God's family. At Rock of Grace, we're all about leading people to follow Jesus together. I don't have all the answers, but we can come to the answers together as we open his word and let his spirit lead us. Thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas.